Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fairy Conclave. This is episode 91. I'm your host, Alec. My pronouns are he, him, and ooh, I'm super excited to have a guest on today who honestly probably needs no introduction, but it's Sheldon Mennery. How are you doing today, Sheldon? I'm fantastic, Alec. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Honestly, I'm I'm super honored to have you on. Um, Commander is my favorite format, and... I have loved watching you in other content, and I love that you're like an active member of the Magic um, and Commander community. And yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, me too. And I, knowing what we're going to talk about, I'm already super stoked. <laughs> yes, me too. So yeah, I have you on to talk about one of your favorite Commander decks, which is something I love to do on this show. But as kind of like uh, an introduction, I have one like non-unrelated question to the commander deck and that's just I, I wanted to hear some of your thoughts on what it's been like for you to have a fan created format that you've like worked on and and created and like helped grow to become magic's most popular format just like wh what's that like um it's it's a thing i'll tell you um <laughs> it's, it's um uh, it was, I, I, you know, I repeatedly tell the story about the morning of the first ever Command Fest um, mm. in Seattle. You know, that weekend we did two or three, like there was one in Chicago and one in Seattle and um, maybe one someplace else. But anyway, I, you know, I got there early before the, before people were in the hall and kind of settled in and found the table where people could play, it would find me to play. And you know, there was the signs and everything. And then um, uh, Scott was the other RC member that was there. Mm. And we had just promoted, or we had just added Olivia to the CAG. And you know, she came in and we just, we chat, chatted for a minute and then I got ready and people came in and started playing games maybe an hour later or so i just stood up to stretch my back and i looked around the hall and there were a thousand plus people playing commander and wow it, i i just i really had a moment because you know there was a time when we were the little format who could and uh, you know i didn't expect there'd ever be a thousand people around the world playing commander let alone sitting in one room yeah it's you know it's been a thrill ride uh it's been it's been spectacular we didn't set out to conquer the world <laughs> but we sure as hell did didn't we yeah <laughs> definitely yeah that must be pretty surreal i feel like it's one thing to kind of like see people a certain number of people talking about it online but then yeah i bet seeing all of that in person just kind of yeah put a, a real kind of image on it that is really cool so yeah and i you know i have to say a big thank you to um josh lee Kwai and the command zone because you know they had me hmm. appear with them um on game nights uh for magic 30 and in las vegas and really what they were letting me do was take a victory lap i just it was it was very heartwarming um humbling and you know sort of honored experience that to just see all the people who really appreciated the 
the work that I've done. And, you know, we, some, we set out to do things for ourselves, but we never do them by ourselves, right? We can't ever yeah. achieve anything alone. And the fact that Commander is the only format with a philosophy and Commander is the only format with a conscience um, is really meaningful to yeah. me. And, and the, the, message, the, the message has been consistent since the beginning inclusivity, diversity, sociality. I just didn't think that there were so many with people for whom that message was going to resonate. And there were certainly orders of magnitude more than we expected. Yeah, it's, it's really, those are all of the things that drew me to Commander in the first place, just as a player. And yeah, it's kind of cool to see that. It's kind of that thing of where if you like doing something yourself, you should just be doing it and putting it out there. And uh, and if you like it, there are other people out there that will probably like it too. And it turns out there are a whole lot of people who like, uh, yeah, everything you just described, the con- having a conscience, having a social aspect, uh, even just the multiplayer type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I also I I loved the the Magic Thirty video from Vegas that uh, that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, if anyone hasn't seen that on the Command Zone, definitely go check that out. It was uh, it was really cool to see Command Zone live, and also yeah, that that shout out and and everything they did for you was honestly like a bit emotional just for me watching the recap on YouTube. So yeah, I can't imagine what it was like to actually be there. So yeah, really cool. Yeah, it was a heartful, to say the least. I love it. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you for that. I just uh, ha- had to ask you a, a bonus Sheldon question before we, <laughs> we got into it. So, yeah, a couple business things before we get into the um, the Commander Deck interview. I wanted to say that this episode will be releasing on January 24th, which is the Fairy Conclave's three-year anniversary, which is kind of cool. I... I did not think that um, that I'd still be going when I started this with my friend Jerem back in 2020. Um, a very strange time to start a podcast, but uh, yeah, it was a fun kind of hobby back then, and I, I can't believe what it has grown into. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening for the last three years. I really appreciate it. And it seems like a pretty opportune time to start a podcast. Yeah, it, it was kind of funny. We uh, We started in January, so it was kind of a normal time at least um in the u.s and we recorded i think two episodes in person before promptly switching to doing it all online so <laughs> um yeah and actually online turns out um to be a, a great way to to do a podcast so we loved it after that but yeah kind of funny oh yeah and then one other thing uh of one other order of business is that I just started my Patreon for the Fairy Conclave um, a couple weeks ago. Um, so thank you everyone who has signed up for the Patreon. And um, so this will be the first time I'm doing a patron shout out. If you are at the uh, Conclave Mentor patron level, then you get uh, randomly chosen to do a shout out for the episode. So um, kind of funny, this episode shout out is going to the patron HB, who is actually my awesome partner. Um, so thank you so much for supporting the show and uh, yeah, signing up and 
this episode is dedicated to you. So, all right. I think that's it. So let's get into the commander deck interview with the first question for you, Sheldon, which is who is your commander and what inspired you to build this deck in the first place? Uh, it is Carador Ghost Chieftain. Uh, it was one of the OG commander commanders. Um, and what inspired me is that it changed my favorite wedge from Teamer to Abzan. Um, mm. yeah, like I'd, I'd had a teamer problem but Abzan just does all the stuff that I want to do and uh, you, you know it's like just graveyard shenanigans and creatures I mean I love creature based decks and there's a battlefield triggers and things like that so uh, I, I knew from the beginning that it was going to be the kind of deck that uh, I wanted to do plus my favorite card of all time up to that point was Living Death. Ooh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it was it was a natural fit. Yeah, I love that. I think, I feel like as far as Abzan goes, there just kind of aren't a lot of options when it comes to commanders, just going off of numbers. And I know Carador has been kind of like a staple commander for Abzan uh, for a long time, and... I started this format with Marin, which is a similar like graveyard-based thing, and I've always loved graveyard decks. So yeah, Carador has always been a favorite of mine, and Living Death as well is has got to be one of my favorite cards. I I love a board wipe that helps you a lot more than your opponents yeah. usually. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, like you said, this is one of the first um, kind of like made for commander commanders, and it's been around, I think, since 2011-ish. Uh, I'm sure this deck has gone through quite a few changes. Um, would you like to talk us through some of this deck's history and some of the things you've um, changed about it since you first built it? Yeah, um, it's been through mostly um, iterative changes as opposed to like I've never wholesale just um, redone it. Uh, mm. What I did instead was made two different, two more different Carador decks. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, I did a project. I did a project back in poof. I don't know, twenty fourteen or thirteen, um, to do a commander of each of the color identities. Um, nice, and that was even before we had four colors available to us. Uh, and then we had four colors. Like, all right, I'm going to do all 32. And then when I got done with that, I decided to again. We weren't getting 300 new commanders every year. Yeah, uh, back then. So I decided to do the do-over project, which was I would use the same commander to build a new deck with, and I couldn't repeat any cards besides basic lands. Ooh, that's cool. I like that. So, man, yeah, I borrowed that from a fellow Star City writer, uh, Abe Stargent, uh, at the time. And that was, that was kind of his... The, the next 99 was kind of his idea. Then I built another... Um, <laughs> out of kind of laziness, I built a third version out of cards that were laying around that I didn't want to file back into the boxes. Mm, yep. So it was like... You know, there were the piles laying around, and I was like, ah, just build another character to get them. So the, so the original deck 
the original deck has been through kind of slow iterative changes and it hasn't really changed thematically that much um there are certainly i mean the, the turnover the, the card turnover has been i don't know uh, maybe half the cards um have gotten replaced at some point but i mean the living death is still there the decree of pain is yeah. still there um the angel of despair and um uh the bigger one that exiles um oh um ashen rider rider yeah um, cool avengers endicar is still there so like there are still plenty of the same cards that went in in 2011 the greater good um and whatnot but then at the same time when new cards come out that are really exciting that make me go ooh i want to put that right into a carador deck like nethroy old stick fingers or ren and seven ren and seven is, is a complete house yeah i bet <laughs> Uh, in the deck so yeah it's just been this slow it's been this slow thing so the deck pretty much plays the way it has since the beginning it just it loves a big living death although the the rewards are a little bit different than they used to be gotcha i really like the idea of building a uh, like multiple commander decks with the same commander but being like restricted by not allowing you to use previously used cards um in the other mm -hmm. deck it, like do you find that the you're able to find more uh more kind of like clever cards to put in there or maybe just like more budget friendly cards um i can imagine it's sometimes with like the deck that you're always upgrading you can kind of get stuck like with the best version of each effect so yeah does that kind of yeah. help with that um a little uh you know the again more likely 10 years ago when we were getting inundated with less product um, yeah <laughs> and i think i think at some point i allowed myself um to to repeat mana producing lands so mm. like godless shrine was okay but uh grim backwoods was not because it does something other than produce mana or Westvale Abbey. You know, I couldn't have Westvale Abbey in the in the do-over deck or whatever. But uh, just you know, anything that still produced mana is fine. But yeah, it was it's a it was a nice challenge to have to find, especially a mana base that fit into the deck. And if you're not using the OG duels and the shocklands, your mana base is going to be a little cheaper. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm actually looking at Architect right now. The mana base for the original was a, a is a thousand and thirty nine dollars. The mana base for the do over is two hundred and sixty dollars. Wow. Okay. So yes, I guess the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that a lot. I hadn't really uh, thought of like building a deck that way, but. Um, I know of some people who, if they have multiple decks, even like with different commanders, they'll try to use different cards in those decks so that there's mm -hmm. uh, more of a different like feel in between decks. You're not playing 
uh, 17 copies of Swords to Plowshares or whatever. And, and and I like that a lot, but just kind of from like a challenging yourself to deck building, I, I like the idea of, yeah, taking the same commander and building a deck, but you're not allowed to use any of the other cards you already have. Yeah. So that's really cool. I like that. This, yeah. The second one is, is a plus one, plus one counters deck. So it Ooh. has, it has uh, Gave, Guru of Spores in there and, you know, just, uh, plus one counter stuff, which uh, again back in the day was good, but not you know not anything as good as it is now. Mm. Um, but when you you know you got the, those those uh, things with counters that you bring back out of the graveyard uh, and use the Ozolith. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. And get there. I like that. So kind of to like fill out the strategy of the deck, you had to. Uh, lean into a different theme, which is plus one plus one counters. But I bet you can still do quite a few graveyard shenanigans with that too. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I'm already kind of thinking about some decks that I have that that would be fun to build a second time with that restriction. So yeah, I'll have to try that out. Okay, so when it comes to playing the original Carador deck, I, well, we can <laughs> talk about the other ones too. I'm I'm happy to talk about all of them. What what kind of is it that you just like most about playing this deck? Uh, it sounds like Living Death is a big part yeah. of it, but um, it just, yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Like I said earlier, it just kind of does the things that I like to do in Magic. Um, I love creatures with ETB triggers and creatures mm-hmm. that are value creatures, and then recurring stuff from the graveyard. Um, I'd like real. You know, there there are some real shenanigans here because I've got Safi Eric's daughter, and I've got Rebe Yark, I've got Shieldred, so uh, it, cool. I don't have to work super hard to get stuff back out of the graveyard. Um, I don't have over, Oversold Cemetery or Palace Siege to automatically put stuff back in the hand, but uh, this is more about getting the creatures out. Uh, sacrificing them to a to greater good uh, and then recurring them with Carador and and getting the getting the the value there i'm also loving how this deck just has 41 creatures like you're very <laughs> minimal on the non-creatures mm-hmm. so yeah and i can tell that like each non-creature card in this deck is chosen for like a very specific purpose so yeah I'm a fan of that, and I bet um, just like the sheer number of creatures in here, I, I bet is really nice for keeping Living Death always <laughs> a, a threat. Yeah, well, and then the Cosmic Intervention and Face Reward are kind of like alternate Living Deaths. Mm. You get a big a big pile of creatures, and somebody's like, "Oh, we got a board wipe," and then you know, "Oh, great Cosmic Intervention! They're going to come back," and hey. You know, eternal witness triggered. I'll get the cosmic intervention back, and you know there are all the yeah, again the angel of despair and the ashen rider triggers, and oh, there's an Avenger mm. Vendicar, and so forth and so on. Yeah, yeah. I always live in fear of somebody else playing a white a deck that includes white, then foretells something early in the game. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we gotta watch out for cosmic intervention. Yeah, that's cool though. I I like. Um, I like reactive spells like that, that you can, mm-hmm. uh, so you can kind of like turn your opponent's board wipe 
very much against them and i'm a big fan of doing stuff like that in commander yeah absolutely my next question is what are the goals of this deck and we've talked a a little bit about that so i Mm -hmm. i kind of like to broaden this sometimes to kind of like goals that you have just like personally when you're sitting down to play this deck and like the experience you're looking for kind of like a a little like mini rule zero conversation type of thing um yeah what comes to your mind when when it comes to the goals of playing this deck i mean i want to grind out i want to grind out value uh, but uh i i think like getting a sweet birthing pod chain Ooh. Uh, is is the is the real thing um you know going from you know you can sacrifice the bone shredder who's already done its job to get the solemn simulacrum at four and then maybe uh, the karamitra at five so we can get some extra lands or if there's if there's something that we know needs to get nuked the five drop is archon of justice so then when we sacrifice that to the birthing pod uh, we get its trigger to exile something and then the six drop is probably going to be duplicant so that we can take care of something else uh, and then you know if, if that birthing pod is still around when we sacrifice duplicant then there's a protean hulk at seven <laughs> and and all bets are off I, there's yeah. not, I, oh I, I guess i do have the infinite combo there because i've got safi and rebel arc and oh nice um, and a, and, a, and a sacrifice out that yeah so but i don't think i have i mean unless there's like a blood artist i don't think i can really kill anybody with a with going infinite off of that i i like that though it's it, it's cool to see that you can use birthing pot as kind of like uh like a toolbox utility thing depending on mm-hmm. what the board state is yeah, yeah and exactly. then that's really cool and then I, i'm kind of noticing now that each mana value of creatures you have in here has pretty like wildly different effects so you can kind of grab what whatever you need mm-hmm. um yeah that's really cool and i i also enjoy that you have an infinite combo in there just in case you get like those four cards together you can kind of wrap the game up at that point <laughs> i think that's never a bad thing <laughs> so yeah you know i've been i've been historically resistant to infinite combos in my decks you know just, mm. like i always say i want my brain to win the game not my cards yeah. So I want to be able to, I want to force myself to have to figure out how to win from the board state, not from a sort of a pre-programmed path. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not working, I'm working toward winning, but I'm working toward winning the combat damage or a bunch of Kakusho drains or something like that, as opposed to some infinite combo that just goes off. Yeah, I, that makes sense to me. It's kind of like trying to solve the puzzle of whatever the board state is at the time with mm-hmm. yeah, with what you have at hand. I like feeling clever in Commander. That's kind of one of the things that I yeah. enjoy most is yeah, doing something and I'm like, ooh, that was kind of that was kind of spicy. <laughs> and yeah, that was inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm also noticing that you have a lot of foils here and a lot of like very specifically chosen um like card arts and stuff and i I love to see that i think it's really cool when uh, when somebody puts their their whole effort into blinging out their deck i guess or making it look as as cool as as possible um yeah so i'm a fan of of that i really like yours yeah that greater good the greater good 
shows as a whiteboard or ninth edition, but it's a hmm. it's altered. So ooh, yeah, everything in the deck is bling <clears throat> some fa- in some fashion. Whenever I sit down and somebody pulls out a deck that's like that, I'm just always excited to see what cards they're going to be playing next. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, the Ink Shield is is the as blingy as you can get with Ink Shield because it's the mm. it's a borderless. And yeah, I guess I guess that's the only one that really can't have a foil copy. Oh, uh, because it's a uh, it's like a commander, um, commander set yeah. exclusive or something. Yeah, yeah. that I've let me, let me talk to my friend Gavin Verhey and see if we can. Get a foil <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should ink shield. It's got to be one of my favorite cards. Like I was talking earlier about being reactive, and nothing feels mm-hmm. better than reacting to somebody thinking they're about to kill you with commander or with mm-hmm. commander or combat damage um, with an ink shield. <laughs> so. Yeah, when, when when you have Ink Shield in your hand, somebody else's Crater Hoof Behemoth is your favorite card. Yes, <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, I I'd never feel safer than with an Ink Shield <laughs> in hand. So yeah, I'm sure we can get a, a reprint uh, pushed through for that. I like to go on at least one kind of rant per episode. So um, if this episode's rant is uh, re- please reprint Ink Shield in foil then i'm here for it <laughs> yeah maybe we, we have a a secret layer of some kind secret layer alec and sheldon's favorite cards <laughs> including ink shield <laughs> and living death yeah. <laughs> and you know this card this ink shield came from one of my own designs but oh my design was very tame compared to ink shield interesting my, my design, my design was was basically spider fog only with inklings. Okay, yeah. And the play design team took took that and obviously put it on steroids. <laughs> and Corey Corey Bowen, who was the set lead, said, said you know, told me after the fact. He said, you know, we just we just channeled you and thought about what you. What what really was like your essence, and we were going to pour that into the card, and that's that's what they ended up with. Wow. Okay, that's really cool. Ink shield lore to learn. So you actually had like a very big part in the creation of this card. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it was one of the I created the um, the um, Strixhaven Silver Quill deck. Oh, nice. That was that was one of the cards. Yeah, two of the cards. Two of the cards uh, that I designed got through design almost completely unchanged, uh, which wow. is pretty rare. Uh, Promise of Loyalty uh, mm. is exactly as I had designed it, except for my design was three white white, and they they changed it to four and a white. Um, but Keen Duelist, Keen Duelist is, is exactly... Um, as my like i was looking at my notes um from then um uh, you know 18 months ago or something and it's like oh geez i had forgotten that this was just exactly as as designed okay that's really cool keen duelist is uh is another one of my favorites um so on behalf of myself and everyone else who plays rakdos lord of riots commander decks um, thank you for Keen Duelist. That's 
<laughs> one of my favorites in there. I also love that they they took your your version of Ink Shield and kind of like buffed it quite a bit because quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I feel like when I see um, kind of like custom card designs uh, online, they're always. I'm like, there's no way. Like they they would definitely power that down a little bit. So yeah, it's kind of funny to see that the opposite happened in Ink Shield's case. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you for that that background. I I didn't know that you were <laughs> involved in the Silver Cold deck, but that's yeah, that's really cool. Th- those were some of my favorite sets of uh, like precon decks, the the uh, Strixhaven ones. Coming back to Carador. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say are some of this deck's weaknesses and kind of things you want to watch out for when you're playing it? Uh, well, uh, it kind of rolls the graveyard hate. Um, mm. Yeah. Especially, like, rest in peace is really awkward. Um, uh, but I really wanted the deck to be able to function if I get Bajuka bogged once. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it's, you know, unless it's just really unlucky and inconvenient at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean it. It's not gonna. You know, this is a this is a deck that plays in the f- sort of target demographic of the format. You know, this uh, ten turn game. Uh, you know, nobody going off too soon kind of space. So it's for the most part not going to stop anybody from their infinite combo. Uh, you know, especially anything spell based. I can't really do much about but uh yeah graveyard hate is the is the thing that i have to be careful playing around and um i like i said i keep an eye on it um and uh just want to not overcommit to the graveyard strategy too much um until unless you know if there's an opening go for it but um for the most part want to make sure that I can still be around in the game after um, a relic of progenitus or uh, mm. uh, has has hit. Okay, so you try to kind of if you're using hermit druid, so like don't try not to put your whole deck in your graveyard too early. Um, if it's if you're suspicious of a bajukabog or something like that. Right. Well, I'm playing 19 basic lands, so. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so. So Hermit Druid is Hermit Druid is really there. It is really there to just get extra lands into the hand and put a few things into the graveyard. Not gotcha. Not you know. Again, it's not the Hermit Druid combo deck. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. And and I bet that like when I go to uh, like my local game store or play with people who I haven't played with before on Spell Table or something, um, I find that there. are wildly different ratios of people who do play graveyard hate like sometimes my graveyard will get exiled like six times in one game and then other times nobody's playing it so right yeah it's kind of funny um but i i bet that since this deck does have a bit of a like kind of toolboxy utility feel um does it kind of adapt to different play groups and and kind of like new people who you haven't played with yeah it does it uh it, it i think it it scales pretty well uh again until we get to uh, until we get to like super high power um it it's it scales pretty well uh you know it's got a nice got a nice curve and can have um relatively early action and Mm. 
not always like you know there's not a lot of one drops um there's not any one drops actually uh, besides Sol ring uh so it's it's not it's not a deck that's going to set the pace of play of the game initially uh, it might take it over at some point but uh, it's not gotcha. it's not going to be the the it's not going to be the threat out of the gate yeah makes sense i that's kind of how i try to design my decks is exactly like that. I want it to kind of be able to to fill the table nicely and kind of play with different different uh, vibes of um, commander tables since I do like to take them out and play with, um, yeah, people on spell table or, or people who I don't usually play with. So yeah, it seems like a great way to do it for Carador as well. Okay, so uh, my next question for you is, are there any notable cards in this deck that are kind of like spicy for this deck but just kind of fill generic roles normally like card draw or mana ramp or uh like interaction uh yeah well uh i mentioned earlier the renin seven um mm. really like when it when it does its thing when you you when you put the cards um from the plus one ability uh you know you're putting the lands into your hand and the and the rest into the graveyard and with 41 creatures uh, the likelihood that there's two or three creatures there are going to start filling your graveyard to, to get out Carador, but then you've smoothed out the land draws and everything. Um, uh, I'm also a big fan of the Verdant Sun's Avatar and Life Gain. Again, on the you know on with if Verdant Sun's Avatar is involved in a living death, life Ooh. total can get <laughs> can get into triple digits pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, I, I feel like just looking through the creatures and what their toughnesses are, um, yeah, I'm not surprised you can get pretty high on yeah. life from this. Which I kind of love to see. This is a, the dinosaur from Ixalan that, yeah, when it or another creature enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. Yeah, that's kind of cool that you have all of these pieces that have either an ETB effect or they kind of like trigger off of other ETBs. Um, mm-hmm. So when it all happens at the same time, you're like, okay, here's so much value that nobody will be able to come back from it. Yeah, well, and it it becomes that it it might become that commander game that a lot of players will roll their eyes at because mm-hmm. there's 17 triggers on the stack right now. <laughs> yep, I love when the stack something like that happens. I'm just like, I don't know what is going on over there but i'm happy to watch <laughs> and that's cool that that ren and seven is super worth it in this deck just for the plus one ability but you know just happens to have three other abilities you might want to use right. at different points too <laughs> yeah exactly that's cool i have a feeling i know the answer to this next question but it's do you have any pet cards in this deck that you just can't resist playing well that, i mean there's the obvious ink shield <laughs> yep. Um, uh, and the other one is Saw in Half. Ooh. And I can't wait. I like I it it obviously just went into the deck recently. Yeah. Um and I haven't played it yet, but I can't wait to saw in half either a Kakusho or an Avenger of Zendikar. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be so good. Even uh Song in half Rebiark. Wow, yeah. Means that it you know, it leaves it leaves the battlefield and then 
because uh, yeah, that's a that's a leaves the battle. It has a leaves the battlefield trigger, mm. uh, and then those two copies are going to leave the battlefield at some point. Um, so <laughs> there's all kind of shines and protein hulk, and you know, it's yeah. Like, so there is there is some tomfoolery to be had with <laughs> to with uh, saw in half. That's really cool. Yeah, I similarly I put saw in half in my I have an oozes deck which. Uh, for one, the idea of sawing an ooze in half is hilarious to me, and right. <laughs> and the other thing is they, they also have quite a few uh, either like leaves the battlefield, make multiple copies of itself effects type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, when you saw that in half, you just it does the thing that oozes want to do, which is create more oozes, and mm-hmm. uh, I love that idea. I have yet to actually cast this card yet, since yeah, it is pretty recent, but someday. So I, I'm also a fan of this one. I hope it uh, works out as well as these scenarios make it seem like it will. Uh, this past weekend at or last yeah, I guess past weekend at SCGCon, I saw it in half a. Noxious Gear Hulk. Ooh, <laughs> and that was that was pretty sweet. Have you seen um, have you seen uh, Jim uh, from the Spike Theaters and also now on the RC a video about Saw and Half? I haven't. No. If not, yeah. If not, go just like go to Spike Theaters Saw and Half, and um, uh, Jim did a. Uh, it's about. 10 12 minute video on like the top 25 things you can saw in half (laughs) okay i love that yeah i'll definitely have to check that out i'm always a fan of jim's um jim's like videos content and yeah saw in half (laughs) i bet there's some pretty absurd targets for that so yeah cool (laughs) i like that so kind of on the other side of pet cards what would you say is the MVP card of this deck, or the one that you just kind of want to draw in any given game? Uh, living death. I mean, there, mm. there's, uh, you know, unless unless we've had an unfortunate moment with some, um, with some graveyard hate, there's always going to be ways to, uh, to fill up the graveyard and, uh, and then, just get the huge payoff. Um, you know, especially if if we have a Doom Whisperer in play, and then we can just surveil a bunch of times, Ooh. and uh, you know, especially especially if again that Verdant Sun's avatar has been doing some work, um, and you and we're at sixty or seventy life, <laughs> um, who cares if we surveil ten times? And then Living Death. Living death since it's just doing what it does since time immemorial, um, and it really has been. It, it was it was my favorite card until Link Shield. Um, mm, and, yeah, you know I played it back in the day uh, when in standard when control decks were very very big. It was the response to I'm going to play threats and you're going to have to deal with them and then. You know, you know those those control decks back in the day. You'd, you'd play two or three creatures, and they'd wrath. And you'd play one, and you'd counter it, and then you'd play two or three, and they'd wrath. And then, uh, you know, in late game, you get them out of counter spells, and your graveyard is full of stuff. And the creatures we had in the graveyard back then weren't as good as the ones we have now. Yeah, you know, that was nineteen. That was nineteen ninety nine or whatever. So, <laughs> right. 
Makes sense. Yeah, I love to, to hear that living death has been as threatening as it is today, basically, since its first <laughs> first printing. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, and I, I hadn't noticed that um, Doom Whisper is in this deck, but yeah, just like you said, since you have a couple cards that gain you a ton of life that yeah pay to life to surveil to and just put stuff into your graveyard that's uh besides being really cool art with too many arms um i love yeah. this demon for that effect as well yeah i mean it's it, it's a pretty when when you know I, I play this um with some frequency with the other rc members and mm. uh you know if i have doom whisperer in play and uh, it's the end of turn of the player to my right, and I, I say, you know, okay, at end of your turn, I'm going to surveil, and I'm going to surveil again. Then they know they know what's going. <laughs> they know they something know bad is coming. Yeah, <laughs> bad for them at least. Yep. Okay, so yeah, I I mean, you've been playing this deck for quite a long time. Um, what is one of your favorite in-game moments that you've had while you were piloting it? Uh, I killed somebody when they Bajuka bugged me because I had Sir Conrad in play. Oh. <laughs> I honestly, I feel like every time I read Sir Conrad, I discover another line of text about how it kills <laughs> me. So. <laughs> yep. That's funny. Yeah, so it's when anything leaves your graveyard as well, so leaving your graveyard to exile counts to deal a bunch of damage. Wow. Okay. Yep, that's Um, pretty cool. I I haven't like I haven't had the I haven't had the moment where I've had a bajuka bog in my hand and wanted to do it to myself. Oh Um, (laughs) I'm not sure I'm not sure I have the courage for that. (laughs) Because, you know, you, you go bajuka bog you're you know bajuka bog myself and somebody's like ah sorts of plowshares yeah <laughs> i i like that that is an option though if you're you know desperate measures type of thing right that's really cool yeah it's kind of funny because um uh, it's it's cool that there are ways for you to like use the graveyard but if you need to kind of bail out and do the opposite of that it's still you have ways to kind of uh, profit off of that with Sir Conrad. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. Cool. Okay. So we've made it to my final question for you, which is what advice would you give to other players out there who are interested in building a Carador deck? Be careful about over committing to the graveyard. Like, um, yeah, again, if you're at the end of turn and it looks, uh, and it looks like you're going to be able to, to really go for it, then, then don't hesitate to go for it. But for the most part, um, don't try dumping too much stuff in the yard too early. Squeeze out the little bits of value. Um, uh, you know, I, I often don't wait until um, I'm only paying three mana to cast Carador. Like I might pay four mm. or five to cast it so that I can start the I can start the value chain um, a little earlier if there's. Uh, you know, especially depending on what's in the graveyard. If there's a, um, if there's a wood elves or, you know, something in the or or a um, solemn simulacrum in the graveyard that I want to re- just recur a couple of times for getting the you know getting more lands in the play, um, or you know, a couple of times you know 
cast, uh, recasting Bone Shredder a couple of times has hmm. really saved my bacon. Um, then you just grind out little bits of value and and wait for your your bigger spots. Um, uh, so the the deck is resilient to a little bit of graveyard hate. Um, so it can just play straight up. Like it, it's got stuff that you cast on curve. So you know, put some of the beefier things out, like uh, the Shieldred or the um, the Kusho or Nethroy or whatever, and just start bashing. I like it. I think that's great advice. And I, I also hadn't thought of. Uh, I bet there are a lot of interesting decisions in the game um, because Carador's uh, mana cost is one less for each creature card in your graveyard. So I bet it's there's some fun balancing between uh, like should I cast Carador like right now for six or should I spend that mana trying to put more stuff in my graveyard to have it be less next turn? Um, yeah, I like the kind of like decision tree that comes out um, from that. That seems really cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a, again it's a deck that 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 I have to play instead of just here are these cards I win. Um, yeah. Makes and, sense. And, and that's my favorite, that's my favorite way to play is, is having to figure it out. Cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Thank you so much, Sheldon, for coming on and chatting with me about your Carador deck. I, I learned a lot and um, yeah, it was a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. There's nothing I like more than sitting down to chat with somebody about their commander deck. Um, so yeah, I've been honored to talk to you, and I yeah, and I'm happy that you were able to to join me. So, it was my distinct pleasure. So when it comes to what you have going on, uh, would you like to shout out kind of where people can find you? Um, what kind of like magic stuff you've got going on in the upcoming days? Sure. Um, you can find me uh, by my name on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, you can find me in the Commander RC Discord server. Um, we have a link right at the, the bottom of the main page on mtgcommander.net. Uh, it's a free server. Uh, come join 9,000 friends and uh, chat about Commander. We also have... Um, uh, off-topic channels, so we'll talk about food and wine, or TV and movies, or pets, mm. or whatever. So, so it's a pretty vibrant Discord community. Uh, there's an LFG uh, lobby, but uh, we're going to upgrade that in the coming year. That's going to be one of our efforts. So, And it's a place that you can find RC members uh, to just chat with us. Um, you know, I, I will be there. I'm there frequently, and I'm as, you know, um, I'm as close as a ping if you if you want to talk to me. Uh, you can find me February 3rd through 5th at SCGCon Indy. You can find me February 17th through 19th at uh, MagicCon Philadelphia. And you'll be able to find me on March 3rd through 5th at SCGCon in Charlotte. And then, of course, you can find me every Thursday writing about the best format in the history of magic <laughs> gathering on starcitygames.com perfect yeah I'll, and i'll also include links to all of that um down in the episode description so very easy to find i have, I have a link tree for your convenience perfect yeah that's great yeah that's awesome and uh just one last thing i wanted to say that i think commander and magic are super super lucky to have you sheldon and the other members of the rules committee and the cag um just 
all wonderful people who care about the format very clearly and uh, have, yeah, and it wouldn't be anything like it is without all of you. So thank you. Mm, thanks for saying so. Of course. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And as far as the Fairy Conclave goes, uh, the last thing I've got is uh, for my patrons at the All That Glitters patron level. I do a shout out for every single one of them, every single episode. And so there are two very awesome people at that level to shout out. And that is Jeff Hadfield and Lunchbunks. Thank you both so much for being patrons. I really appreciate it perfect i think that's all for me so thank you everyone for listening i hope you enjoyed uh hearing us talk about the graveyard so much and um and i'll catch you next time thank you so much bye